When you hear the phrase, soft as steel, what do you think of? While the word steel might conjure up images such as massive high-rise buildings, where does the soft part come in? And what exactly does this mean in our work and in our lives? Welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran, featuring engaging conversations with a wide range of industry leaders around soft skills, how we practice love, inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran. I've been looking forward to this conversation as I thought about the industry thought leaders as one of the first folks I reached out to join me on the Soft to Steel podcast. Wally Adamchek is a widely recognized and sought-after speaker, coach, and consultant with over 23 years experience in the construction industry. He says with genuine values-based humility that he transforms construction leaders to increase production, improve retention, and deliver a bigger bottom line for their businesses. He's a prolific storyteller, or should I say social media character, using his creativity to challenge leaders to think and feel differently about their roles and connecting their values to the organizations they lead and the relationships that are so important to success and, yes, happiness. His career in the construction industry was preceded by 10 years of service in the U.S. Marine Corps. He took from his service all that he learned about it and in 2006 authored a must-read book entitled No Yelling, The Nine Secrets of Marine Corps Leadership You Must Know to Win in Business. Wally, thank you for your service to our nation and the industry that benefits from your knowledge, beliefs, and to those you serve now. Welcome to the Soft to Steel podcast. Thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you and your audience. Well, here we are. We're spending. We're spending. So I'm going to start off with kind of a uh, curveball question. It could be the, the last question, but I want to start it with you because I think it may lead us in some very interesting directions. And this is a question I'm going to pose to a group of leaders, both in organized and unionized construction industry, both union leaders and contractor CEOs, in a special edition of the Softest Steel podcast in just a few weeks. And the question is this. What is the single most important action you have taken as a leader to make your world a better place? The single most important action I've taken is learning about me and how I respond to certain situations, how people respond to me, the difference between influence and control and how insane that can make us. So in short, I've increased my self-awareness. I thought it was going to be a harder question for you. That's a magnificent answer. Let's build on that. So you would probably subscribe without too much fanfare to the notion that what I call soft skills, as I talked about it in my book back in 2019, which I describe as being the attributes, the characteristics, the behaviors of individuals and a manifestation of their values. Does that make sense to you to describe soft skills in that way? It does. And as we talk about our industry, there's a need for this conversation because when we look at the data, 75% of the folks you run into every single day are task oriented. They want to get the thing done. Therefore, not to say they don't have people skills, but it's not the first thing that comes to their mind. So I love your definition. Yeah. Would you say that they make a difference in terms of this whole notion of what great leaders are all about? 
I would. And I think the context of leadership is changing. And maybe if we were to go to back 200 years or so, this may be a different conversation. But for where we are today, and that's not to say what leaders are listening used to do 30 years ago was wrong. But where we are today, the relational, the participative aspect of leadership is absolutely the model that people respond to most. Yeah. You released a study, a survey you did back in 21. If you can, from your recollections, share with us some of the key findings that support what we're talking about with regards to what's important now versus what was important two years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, et cetera. Well, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned no yelling, which I did write a little while back. And I remember being in an interview then and right at the end, the person says, you know, sum it all up. And I was like, I'm, 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 I'm trust and respect. Well, I think those things are still important and I think they're more important now. But here's a piece of data for you. When asked, how often do you receive recognition? I would argue that recognition and praise is a soft skill. And the choices were daily, weekly, monthly, or what is recognition? Uh, 79% of frontline construction workers, those folks you know, that are doing the work and making sure the work gets done profitably or not, 79% of them responded monthly or what is. In other words, the, the senior leaders, the superintendents, the VPs, et cetera, are not giving that recognition to the frontline leader. And if they're not giving it to the frontline leader, I guess that the frontline leader is not giving it to that frontline employee. And generationally, let's assume that frontline employee is younger. They're absolutely looking for that. My kids are uh, 20 and 23. And if you don't show them respect, uh, you're not going to get it from them. I absolutely agree with everything you're saying. We, we are in total sync on this. I, I see it and I hear it from you in the messaging that you do uh, through your LinkedIn uh, page, uh, your little caricatures, your little acting, uh, little, little uh, mini plays. And uh, I'm, I'm waiting for a musical. But, uh, but, but I, think, I, you know, I think what you, what you are doing uh, so well and why I, in, in my introduction, I talked about you being a service to the industry is that I think that you're trying to, to say in the most simple, straightforward fashion, that, that things are changing. They're continuing to change. The, cha the, the pace of change is increasingly more rapid, uh, and people aren't waiting around. Uh, and if we want to try to maintain uh, a workforce in the construction industry and also deal with the retirement of the, of the boomers, uh, the attrition that was brought about by the pandemic and other kinds of things, um, you know, leaders at all levels have to recognize how important it is for them through their words and their actions to motivate the people that they're, that they're responsible for, um, to, to recognize them, to celebrate them, uh, to do things in the workplace to help bring about. And you brought this into your study. And again, I think it was fantastic. You talked about happiness. Uh, and, and again, it just um, I was I was delighted when I when I flipped through and, and did a quick read of that. Um, say some say some more about, you know, why you feel uh, as you do uh, about the people part of our business. I guess there's two reasons I feel strongly about the people side of our business. One and perhaps most important is that my brother and father were construction dudes. They, they were union guys working in New York City. And when I was 13 years old, I was a helper on those jobs, you know, probably breaking labor laws. But, you know, we did those things back, way back when. Right. And mm -hmm. I was a helper and, and doing all the, the menial stuff and going out and getting the coffee break and all that stuff. So 
to some degree, when I'm talking to construction professionals, particularly those frontline leaders, it's as if I'm hanging out with my brother and, you know, and, and I listened to him and I spent time with him on jobs and he, you know, he worked with some great bosses and some terrible bosses and, um, you know, anything I can do to help, you know, quote, my brother uh, out there in the industry uh, resonates with me, I think, on, you know, on the personal level. The other reason I believe that people and leadership and culture matters is I've seen it work. Personal experience, 10 years in the Marine Corps, uh, I learned a little bit about leadership. And I know people are going to say, oh, yeah, 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 but this isn't the Marine Corps. This is different. Well, you know, these are people who want to come to work. But OK, let's take it one step further. Uh, when we look at the companies that are classified as great places to work or top places to work, um, and there are contractors in that uh, body of, of companies, and I've interviewed a bunch of them, and these things about culture and people, et cetera, produce better results, better meaning lower turnover, better productivity, better safety, and often a better bottom line. So as much as I am a people, people first person, I'm a capitalist. And if what we're talking about does not have an economic impact on the business by making it go better, safer, more profitable, then we shouldn't be doing it. But the proof is in the profits that people are the best profit strategy. Absolutely. I, I say it every, in every workshop, every talk that I give, uh, when I get the foreman in particular kind of looking at me with that, what are you talking about this soft skill stuff for? I, I just look him right now and remind him, I said, you know, these soft skills that I'm talking about produce profit for businesses. Yep. It's that simple. You take care, you take care of the people that work for you. They take care of your customers, and that produces good results, just as you Well, said. you talk about inclusion as one of your pillars. Um, and, you know, we can measure inclusion uh, on what your tendency for that is with an assessment called FIRO, and we've done a bunch of them. And uh, the score ranges from zero, like your circle is a pinhead and you have nobody in your circle, to a nine, which is like everybody is in your circle. Well, it wouldn't surprise you and many of your listeners that majority of the folks we run into construction are low inclusion folks. They're, leave me alone. I got it figured out. I'll let you in my circle when you prove to me you're worth a damn. Mm -hmm. Well, how long does it take me to prove I'm worth a damn? So tell me if you've ever seen this picture before. There's a crew. They're on a job site. The new guy shows up. You look at that new guy like he has leprosy until he or she can prove themselves to be proficient. So what do they do? Mm -hmm. They've been excluded. Now, the mm -hmm. deeper psychological thing here is when I include you, you feel significant. When I exclude you, you feel insignificant. So this concept of inclusion directly ties to our feelings of significance and insignificance. And if because of lack of soft skills and empathy and inclusion, I make you feel insignificant because I don't include you, you now begin to think, ah, screw it, I can't succeed here. Mm -hmm. And then you act as if you won't succeed here. And then I fire you because clearly you're not worth a damn when you might have been incredibly valuable had I included you in the first place. Mm -hmm. There's an example of soft skills. When I talk about that to frontline leaders, they're like, oh, yeah, insignificance. I get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm sure you'd agree that uh, when you think about the, the challenges the industry has, uh, one of uh, 
would uh, a, a person who would be a colleague at, at actually at FMI uh, gave one of the hundreds of economic outlook talks that FMI gives every year all over the place. A younger guy, fairly new to the firm, uh, and I, and he said something in his presentation. I, I had him come into a group that I was facilitating, uh, and he said there is there is no labor shortage, and he paused. And half the room just kind of gasped, saying, well, this guy's an idiot. Uh, and then he explained himself. Uh, and, you know, part of his, his explanation really had to do with how the industry goes about selling the industry to pot- a potential entrance into the industry, uh, showing them a picture that's, that's not the old school picture of the boot up the ass uh, or all those negative stereotypes, shows them a place where there are possibilities where they will be received well not excluded, um, and that there is opportunity. Uh, and so he says, you know, it really is just a condition of our industry and pr- pretty much every other industry as well, that, you know, that at times you, you can get people, at times you can't, um, and, and just, you know, get over it, but, but develop strategies so that you can be trying to identify and recruit people by giving them a good story that is a story they will realize when they join the industry. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. There are attraction factors. What do we do to get people to come in the door? And then there are retention factors. What do we do to get them to stay? So I agree with you. There's no labor shortage. How many contractors did you talk to that said, man, I, I hired 300 people last year, but I kept 30, right? Um, <laughs> it, which means you have no trouble finding people. Mm-hmm. You just have trouble keeping people, yeah. which could be a training story, could be a culture story. It's definitely a we need to do things differently story. Yeah. Do you, uh, and again, we're, we're, we're randomizing the, the sequence of yeah. questions. I told you it was going to be free form, but uh, are you, are you finding, because you, you talk to a lot of contractors, uh, and as do I, but you probably talk to more GCs, uh, probably uh, non-union as well as unionized contractors, so you've got a, a broader landscape. Uh, what, are, what, are, what are you hearing from them about, uh, about what they're doing differently to try to develop their people? Well, uh, before I go into development, let me give you one of the most explosive terms on the face of the earth right now and say flex time. <laughs> right. I mean, as soon as I said that, people out there in podcast land are like, no. Uh, and I didn't say there wasn't a competent person on the job. I didn't say there wasn't supervision on the job. But how are you taking this 12, 14 hour workday and breaking it up so I can have breakfast with my kid? My wife can come home and do child care. What, you know, whatever this, the, the, the family issues are from a work life perspective. So there's one thing we can think about, which is flex time. And Dennis, there are people figuring that out every single day at, um, uh, and, and, and they, and they, they, they're figuring it out. Right. And that's, you know, and I get, I know there's people out here going, Oh, that's crap. People are figuring this one out. Now, your question was, what are they doing to develop people? Right. And what I'm seeing is a move from the annual meeting to our presentation on, fill in the blank on whatever soft skill you choose to, you know, communication, leadership, coaching, et cetera, to curriculum, programs, et cetera, you know, six month, nine month programs, not events that they're saying what, what we have done is not working. You know, the awareness at the annual meeting is not enough. So I'm seeing a move towards the frontline leader academies and, and those kinds of things often integrated with some level of one-on-one coaching for those Mm -hmm. superintendents and stuff like that. 
uh, and labor intensive, but incredibly cost effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Are, are you are are there? Are there on your mind an, a, a contractor, I don't, I don't want you to mention the name, but a contractor that you look at and say, they figured this out, they've got it, they're seeing results? God, I, I don't think anybody's figured it out, but there's elements of figuring it out, right? So one is the learning piece. The other is the culture and values piece. You know, values are have been a buzzword for 20 years. I think we're in the point of values 2.0 now where it, you know, you know, it used to be safety, quality, and integrity or some mm-hmm. level of four words that were all just marketing BS. Mm-hmm. It's the place where you go and, and, and you read them and you go, that's different. Right. Um, and then you go in the building and you're like, wow, this is different. So it's truly a values based culture. And I was talking to some guys the other day and, and the owner said, he goes, you know, I spend a lot of money on this. And I know people are asking me, do I make more? You know, do I get my ROI? He says, I don't know. Maybe I break even on this, but I know my life is a heck of a lot easier when we're coaching values as opposed to conflict management because values begin to solve the conflict, yeah. right? So they're, 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 they're calling that higher purpose. So training, values, um, work-life balance, um, all of those things are elements of getting it right. And I don't think there is a secret formula. There's just elements of the formula that make sense for your business in the context in which you operate. And what I mean by that is the local $200 million special contractor has a significantly different challenge than the national $2 billion contractor. Mm -hmm. And not understanding that context is one of the biggest challenges I think most external consultants do because they go, oh, I've done this in five different places. But yeah, you haven't done it for a multinational or you haven't done it for an intensely local one. It's important to understand the context. Mm-hmm. What size of a contra- of contractors uh, is your sweet spot? Where do you, where do you feel that you can bring the greatest value to them? I'll give you the smart ass answer because that's who I okay. am. The ones that'll cut the check, <laughs> but the ones that can cut the check are generally either self performing, and we can get thirty, sixty, nine to hundred people in the room, or one of your larger generals where you know the, the, you know you can get, and and it all comes down to ROI. Right. So if I'm working with a billion dollar, um, you know, infrastructure guy, you know, we can put 25 frontline leaders in a room for 10 years in a row. And we have. Right. If I'm working with a six billion dollar multinational, uh, we can be doing executive leadership program with 16 people in a room for a year at a time with executive coaching for 15 years. And we have. But the real mm-hmm. key is those are companies willing to make an investment. Similarly, a $20 million company who's just $30 million company who's getting ready to make that jump to the next level where, as you know, many fail because the owner tries to be the manager, leader, estimator, chief cook and bottle washer and all that stuff. So that person who realizes they can't do it all and then begins to delegate and let others in the organization lead. Bottom line, people who believe in people people and they're willing to make the investment in people are a good client. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I go back to, you know, are they willing to invest the money, but also the commitment of time and effort? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, make, that makes total sense. I'm looking at the table of contents of, uh, of your book, uh, from 2006, I think it was. And, uh, and, and just, I just wanted to uh, confirm the direct and, and important application of what you learn in the in the Marine Corps, where your first topic is integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a topic called taking care of people. Yeah, 
uh, you know, as I'm looking at this, I'm saying, and this is the Marine Corps. Uh, I'm saying that rhetorically. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Um, self-awareness. You know, in, in my view, self-awareness is an absolute essential foundational skill uh, for individuals to possess. Yep. Uh, and they may know they may, they may not know what it means. They may think, yeah, I, I know what's going on with me. You know, I, I know. I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got that. I got that. And they don't have a clue. Yep. Um, you know, and I think you mentioned in, in, one, in one of your first sentences, um, I, th- I, th- I think you mentioned emotional intelligence. And that, that's that's a subject that that is getting inc- an increasing amount of attention. I'm sure you're you're I'm sure you're talking about it. I'm sure you're getting more requests to talk about it. Um, let's talk a little bit about about that. Um, you know, when I, when I talk about uh, and this is how I'm going to open this panel that I'll be facilitating in a couple of weeks in Las Vegas. Uh, I'm going to talk about the panel. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to let them see the questions in advance, like the one I posed to you, which you had no problem answering. Which I guess it would have been disappointing if you stumbled on the answer to that question. It would be, but my, that wasn't my intention. Oh, that, that's not a bad yeah. idea. Uh, you know, I mean, you don't want Wally Anna. Did you hear the answer <laughs> he gave to that question? Um, but uh, I'm going to start by saying that, you know, that the, the, our conversation over the next hour is not going to be, be talking about collective bargaining uh, or the pension status of the pension plan or any of those kinds of things. We're going to pivot to people and we're going to talk about things that relate to people. And so that first question I pose you, what's the most important action you've taken as a leader to make your world a better place? It's a people question. Uh, much more than it's a question of of the leader, uh, and again, we, we both know this well, but bears repeating this because people are going to be listening to this and they're going to hear us say things in a certain way. And the way you are, I say something today, and when they're listening to it, may may click with them. And they may say, you know what, I need to do something about that, or I need to learn more about that. And emotional intelligence, I think, is one of those things. Um, you know, I, you, you and I are both uh, well versed in a number of the assessment and evaluation tools. Uh, and uh, and the, the Wiley version of the DISC behavioral assessment is, you know, the market leader, I think, probably in terms of sales. Uh, they recently uh, released a, a combination instrument, which I've already started using because I think it's magnificent, Frank. And I don't get a commission from Wiley. I pay to use their stuff. But um, it combines the, the DISC assessment with an emotional intelligence piece, and it's called Agile EQ. Uh, and as, as far as a, a tool to promote a learning and a dialogue within a, a natural working group, like your foreman, like your, your, your project managers, your office marketing, business development, estimate, whoever it may be. It's just, a, it's an, it's an incredibly powerful way for people to gather facts about themselves. So I think that's one of the biggest stumbling blocks, which, uh, which, you know, we, we encounter is, well, I don't, I don't know if I, how's that going to help me? Well, so what I say to them is uh, get, give it a try. Give it a try, uh, because when I ask you the question, do you really know yourself? Uh, it's not not simply that you like pizza, you know, and you're pretty good at golf, and you and you and you, and you don't have a poker face. You always lose money. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about how. What do you know about yourself that benefits how you see your environment, how you see every place you go in your in your life, how you interact with people, how you get to know them, and most importantly, at the end of the day, what you do to let them get to know you. And that's the, that's the realm of emotional intelligence. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's the minute people hear emotional intelligence these days, they hear two things. They hear empathy and they hear soft. Neither of those two things are emotional intelligence, depending on mm-hmm. your EQ model. 
my my model for EQ is the bar on EQ. I don't use the the one you referred to. I kind of believe that any assessment that says they can do everything can't do anything. So I use a very specific one. And empathy is one of 15 dimensions within emotional intelligence. So is stress mm -hmm. tolerance. So is uh, self-awareness, interrelationships, interpersonal, et cetera. Um, so understanding all of those things, optimism is a part of EQ, right? It is, it is uh, by definition extended, I think it's soft skills, right? But mm -hmm. you go, well, how is stress tolerance part of soft skills. Well, if I have an incredibly high stress tolerance, my default is give me more, give me more. If some of my people don't have high stress tolerance, obviously if I'm taking more, they're taking more. And at some point mm -hmm. they're going, no mas, I can't take it anymore, but I don't see that. Or I don't mm -hmm. have the then empathy to say, hey, tennis, it looks like you're starting to buckle under the weight. Mm -hmm. Whereas traditionally I would say, uh, you know, sucks to be you, right? As my Marine Corps drill instructor said, if you had time to sleep, you had time to get it done, right? I mean, you know, mm -hmm. that lack of empathy, lack of understanding. So EQ by whatever model, uh, uh, yes, absolutely. But it's significantly more than soft skills. It's more than empathy. There's a lot mm -hmm. to it. And if anybody took anything away from this conversation today, it would be go research emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. Not empathy, because empathy is only part of that. Right. Well said. Really well said. You sound a little bit like you're you're, you're speaking from the school of uh, uh, Brent Darnell, um, uh, who I'm sure is a friend. Is he is a friend to me? We use the same uh, assessment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, that, that's that's what I was I was I was hearing Brent speaking. You know. Um, but I think I, I think your I think your piece of advice is 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 perfect. Uh, I mean, you know, you know, the bottom line, I say this often to people and they'll say, well, you, you, how, how do you know so much about this or that or whatever it may be? I said, well, yeah, I'm still learning. You know, what I'm sharing with you are the things that, I, that I've learned. Uh, I'm not an expert on anything. Uh, I'm just someone who's learned things by reading, by researching, by listening to other really in, uh, intelligent, uh, capable people, uh, by asking questions uh, and by making mistakes. Uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's the way I, I, I come, I, my, my step off point is humility. Uh, cause I think, I, I think as far as being, you know, attempting to be something of a leader in terms of thoughts, uh, that, that benefit our industry, um, uh, you can't do it by being a jackass. You can't do it by being arrogant. You can't do it by, by simply saying, th th this is the answer. Please listen carefully because I'm not going to repeat myself. Uh, it's none of that. It has to be done with humility. Well, humility um, is now the new H factor of leadership. can show you the research, but honesty and humility, more so than hypocrisy and hubris. The age of the heroic leader is history. Mm -hmm. It was wonderful. It worked well for millennia, but the age of the heroic leader is absolutely history. And you said, well, how do you know so much about leadership? You know, you collectively, anyone who says they have all the answers on leadership it is wrong for a couple of reasons. A, it's contextual. B, it involves people. So my context with people, but neuroscience we are learning things with neuroscience and functional MRIs that we didn't know about the brain or now being confirmed about the brain. So if you are not researching brain science over the last five years, mm -hmm. you are missing a whole dimension of human behavior. And look, Zig Ziglar had it right. I mean, people don't care much, no, until they know how much care. And, you know, all those truisms mm -hmm. are true, right? But now 
I can look inside your brain with a functional MRI and see the pleasure center of your brain light up when I give you praise Mm -hmm. and you feel good. And I can see the pain centers of your brain light up like as if I'm hitting you with a hot poker. When I give you harsh criticism, we're confirming this with brain science. So leadership and interpersonal stuff and and all, oh my God, it's fascinating what we're learning Mm -hmm. and confirming now. You need to calm down. You're getting just a little bit too excited. We have a limited amount of time. Please control yourself. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's pretty cool though, because it enables you to prove things to people that engineers, right? Prove it to me. Show me the formula. Mm -hmm. Here it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great information. Very helpful. We're getting close to the end of our time. It seems ridiculous. I feel like we just started, but that's what happens when you have a really good person to talk to. I've got two or three last questions. And again, this comes from that queue of questions that I'll be sharing with these leaders in a few weeks. This might be a little bit of a tricky question for you. You know, I'm I'm thinking maybe. Bring it on. Bring it on. Uh, Before I ask that question, I'm sure the audience, when they see uh, on the website that you are president of Firestarter, somebody might ask... How do you come up with, because I have a story for my name, Soft to Steel. I'm sure you have a quick story about how Firestarter came to be. Yeah, you know how it is when you start a business, you think, oh, it's got to be catchy, you know, Adam Chicken Associates or, you know, (laughs) whatever. It sounds so stupid and all that stuff. So fire in the belly, right? How do we inspire people as leaders? How do I inspire people? How do I help? ignite that fire in the belly. But if they want to find me, just go to constructionleadership.com. And my website is constructionleadership.com in addition to Firestarter speaking. So you see how I slipped in an opportunity for a self-promotion there before we ended the interview. I knew you I knew you were gonna ask. So you know it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. So my question is this how is love present in your life at work, at home and in society? Well, at its most raw, human emotion is based on two things, love and fear, right? So we work our way in, obviously, from the extremes, but love is empowering, love's enabling, love grows, fear is constricting, confining, it's deficit as opposed to growth. So do I have fear and anxiety in my life? Absolutely. Right. I'm human. And when we look at human emotion, if we look at the six basic human emotions, two of them are positive and four of them are negative. Goes back to evolutionary biology of fight or flight and all those things. So we are all genetically programmed to go negative, to go into the fear. Two thirds negative one third positive, you know, if we stay on this love and fear thing. So you have to find opportunities. You have to create opportunities. What does that look like? Well, the jerk TSA agent who's going to be in front of me this afternoon at the airport, can I extend grace to that person? What do I do to put joy, awe, and wonder into my life? It could be a grandchild or it could be the Grand Tetons, right? So what behavioral practice do I have in my life? Do you have in your life? Do our listeners have in their lives to bring joy, wonder, awe, love, etc. And it's called broaden and build, right? I broaden, right? Think about looking up at a sunrise or a mountaintop or looking down at your cell phone. Hmm. Well said. Wally, not unexpected. This was a, a high energy, great exchange. I so appreciate your taking the time to be part of this part of my journey with the podcast. And I know when this podcast drops, people will listen to it and they will learn from you. So thank you very much for being on the Soft to Steel podcast. 
Appreciate it. Keep on keeping on. Okay, buddy. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Softest Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Softest Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at DennisDuranSpeaking.com. Be sure to check out his book, Softest Steel, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel Podcast with Dennis Duran. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.